The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the quick hitter version of Catch and Shoot 2.0. My name is Aaron Berlin. On this week's episode, Otto and I welcomed on two guests, one of which, longtime heat scribe Ethan Skolnick. Ethan talked about that heatles regime 10 years later, what it was like, what it did for Miami, and more. But all right, guys, let's get to it. So let's talk about this term that that uh, that was created uh, when LeBron went to Miami, the, the Heatles. Where, <laughs> where, where, where does that come from, Ethan? Uh, it kind of came from me. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I said a lot of things in columns that I should have trademarked. That was one of them. I wrote it in a column. It was kind of an offhand comment that this was going to be like the Heatles. And uh, you know, LeBron tended to read everything, particularly from the new writers that he didn't really know very well at the time. And the very next day, uh, he was talking about how he was printing Heatles t-shirts. So I, I kind of I got caught in the machine there. Um, that uh, I never really got proper credit for that. But that's all right. We moved on. Uh, and they were the Heatles. I mean, you know, I went to, I pretty much covered, you know, all but about 10 of their road games over four seasons. And everywhere we went, when you went to hotels, um, there would be lines out the door waiting for them by the buses go to practice facilities. You know, we wouldn't publicize where they were, but people found them. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it was a show. It was very, you know, I think really the only comparable show uh, would have been, you know, what we just saw with last dance with the Bulls. I, I, I don't, I don't know, honestly, that we'll ever see anything like it again. Um, and the reason for that is because it coincided with the explosion of social media. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Jordan's Bulls didn't deal with that, you know, and so this was the most scrutinized team in the world. Uh, for basically three to four years, you know, ESPN, you know, moved four writers down here um, to do their index, as you know, right. and and so you know, and I was competing against the Malone. It was an interesting experience, but you know, they they were the biggest story. Where every city we went to, and and especially that first year, you know, not just the scene in Cleveland on December second, two thousand ten, where we went to hide for cover because batteries were being thrown, but also you know, you'd go to places like Portland, Memphis. You know, city Phoenix, places that LeBron had no interest in going to. So there was no reason for them to be angry at him. And it was still, you know, he was a villain. And it was just, it was a different experience, I think, than anybody's covered. And like I said, I don't really think we'll see it again, to be honest. I I think this is a, it it coincided with it. You know, LeBron was a very polarizing figure at the time. He's not now as much, but he was at the time. And, And he was adjusting to being a villain. And I think that kind of, you know, led to his implosion in the 2011 finals, where I think the pressures of everything he dealt with that season kind of hit him at once. And, and that's why we saw that very uncharacteristic performance, which, which basically cost him a championship. Do you have a favorite moment, uh, a LeBron moment from his time in Miami? I mean, there's so many. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, you know, the scoring 61 against Charlotte um, was pretty amazing. I, you know, it's, I mean, he was he was pretty much unstoppable during that stretch. Um, I, I think that, you know, but you also look at it, it, it was his ability, like I said, to be incredibly efficient. I mean, he, he and Dwayne were having these contests where, you know, who, you know, they would, they would basically owe each other things and they didn't shoot 50% in the game. 
And LeBron was at this point where he was at such a high level that he could just pick and choose his shots. And we'd watch him on possessions, and he would he would pass on shots that were great shots for anybody else because he was looking for the perfect shot because he didn't want to ruin his shooting percentage. Mm-hmm. But it's like we let him off the hook because he still ends up the game with 35, 12, and 7. Right. Um, it, it was just it was just incredible. I mean, I, I think, you know, I had a lot of personal moments with LeBron over time. I kind of saw him uh, evolve and get comfortable with being a villain. Uh, it was never easy for him. I remember we were in San Antonio, I think, the third year. And it was one of those days where Skip Bayless or somebody was making ridiculous comments about him and getting famous off him. And he looked at me. He was about to go in the shower. He looked at me. He goes, one of these days, I'm just going to snap on all of them. And it was, I think he had 42 that night, but, but that, that's kind of where we were. I mean, it was, it was a once in a lifetime kind of, you know, experience. If you liked what you just heard, why don't you check out the full episode of Catch and Shoot 2.0? It drops every Wednesday. It's hosted by myself and my cohort, Otto Strong. It drops every Wednesday right here on Pure Hoops Media.